Meller in for Sylvie this week here on ESPN 1000. We're going to be talking some bears here momentarily, but of course, the story that is taking over the news is what happened last night in Cincinnati between the Buffalo Bills and Cincinnati Bengals on national television. Of course, Damar Hamlin collapsing and going into cardiac arrest, needing to be revived on the field, and of course, the game being suspended. It has been all-consuming for the most part, I think, because this is one of those stories that transcends sports. You've seen it across all platforms on media, so we're going to continue to talk about it. And if you'd like to share your response, we're here for you, 312-332-3776. But I'd also like to ask Courtney Cronin in her opinion, because she doesn't just cover the Bears. She covers the NFL, and you see her on lots of platforms across ESPN. I saw her filling in on First Take last week, so... Perfect place to start with her, of course, Waddle, and she is brought to us by... Uh, Wintrust Community Banks. They are Chicago's banks. To find your nearest Wintrust Community Bank, visit Wintrust.com slash find us. Member FDIC. Courtney, as we bring you in, what was your reaction as you were watching the events unfold last night? Uh, fear. That's uh, That was my reaction. It was a reaction of everyone I was texting with throughout the league, just trying to check in to make sure people were doing all right. And the amount of people who told me that they had had a moment where they just kind of broke down and cried. Uh, that was a really tough thing to hear because it's the gravity of that situation. I think in the NFL, we are so used to, it's almost like we've normalized head trauma, right? We know so much about it now. There have been numerous studies. The league claims it's trying to make the game safer, at least with the awareness of it. But seeing Tua Tagovailoa carted off the field, I believe that was week four, of the NFL season, and then the game going back to being played not long after, that's normalized in today's NFL because that's an injury that's so common. Sudden cardiac arrest is not common by any stretch, and especially when it's happening to a 24-year-old who, like, this was a normal tackle. Like, when he took down T. Higgins, it wasn't anything out of the ordinary. And then when DeMar Hamlin steps, stands up and then immediately falls back, you just, you just, it was so unprecedented. So I think in, in kind of trying to unpack that last night, you know, I, I stayed up way longer than I normally do because I was hoping that we would get the alert from ESPN or from the Buffalo Bills Twitter account or something that everything was okay because we didn't get that thumbs up that we typically get when we see players get carted off the field. I mean, hell, we saw it two weeks ago with Tevin Jenkins in the game against, was that Buffalo or the Eagles, whichever one it was. I mean, that was a scary scene. Anytime you see a backboard brought out, that's you know it's not good. But to see an ambulance go onto the field at the speed in which it did and the sense of urgency that the first responders were taking to perform the CCR and the fact that it took nine minutes, that was um, – it was sobering. It was a very sobering scene to watch unfold on national television. And the reaction of the players as well. Absolutely. Oh, my God. I mean, Stefan Diggs, like, I was watching the players. Uh, they, were, they were kind of panning around shots, and you saw some guys. I know that uh, Tredavious White couldn't even look. Stephon Diggs had tears streaming down his face. And you just you saw Sean McDermott when they were, you know, he was saying a prayer under his breath. And it's. We see this stuff a lot, and I think the thing that is really a wake-up call, like the next man up mentality is a systemic mindset in sports, particularly in football. And we see this so often with what we deem normal injuries and someone breaks a bone. Like, For some odd reason, I think we all have one of these stories. I know, Waddle, I'm sure you have them too. 
like you always think back to that one that was kind of like really, really drives that point home of everyone's replaceable, everything you got to go on, you flush the prior play and you move on to the next one. And it's no different with humans, with the guys who play this game. And I remember when I was in Minnesota in 2021 during training camp, I saw one of the worst leg injuries I had ever seen because I heard it. I was 50, 50 yards away and I heard the crunch of this practice squad receiver's leg. His name was Blake Prohl. And I just remember in that moment, it's not that the Vikings did anything wrong, but just shows you how we're conditioned in sports because they moved the drill over to the other field. Medical personnel went to attend to him. They got him on a cart. They put an air cast on him. It was clearly serious, and they got him out of there. But we kept moving on. And I think last night, the fact that everything stopped, and it stopped for good with the, with everybody going to the locker room, which I was vocal about this last night, and I remain the same way. When, when they sent them to the locker room, game should have been called right then and there. You can't tell me that a cooling-off period, this isn't a freaking rain delay. Like, a cooling-off period isn't going to get these guys back in the mindset to go play a game. And that is something we don't typically see. And to see, you saw the look on the players' faces that they weren't going to be right to come back out in this game. And as we find out from the league today... There is no makeup date for that game, and frankly, I would be surprised if that game ends up getting played because, especially in the case of Buffalo, the only thing they care about right now is figuring out if DeMar Hamlin is going to live or die because it is clear it is it is truly a situation and a matter of life and death, and his life hangs in the balance. And to uh, reinforce exactly what you're saying, Courtney, I think all you need to know, if you, you can read the tea leaves here, when the NFL – and every single team changes their Twitter avatar or their Instagram feed, and they have the pray for DeMar with the number three in the Buffalo Bills colors. When, they're, when that's the, you know, we're all looking for some type of positive update. Like you said, you went to bed late last night. That's all you need to know. You can read how serious the situation is. And it's not just, oh, can DeMar get back out on the field? It's will he survive this and will he be able to live some sort of normal life hereafter? Mm-hmm. That's what we're looking at right now. So it really is unfortunate. And uh, I'm thank you for bringing the clarity to it because it's been, you know, we've been sorting through trying to figure out, okay, what are we doing here? And, you know, it should for the people listening out there. This is a young man who is in the prime of his life and he may never be the same after what we saw no. last night. And, and that's the thing. Like when I, Ryan Clark, my colleague over at ESPN, did a tremendous job bringing the human element into this. These people are not commodities. They are, I know we get pissed off at people about fantasy football and guys missing tackles and whatever. This is a human being. A mother had to go in an ambulance with her son last night, not knowing if he was going to make it or not. And bringing that sort of human element into it and hearing from a former player. You're invincible at 24 years old. I mean, I felt invincible at 24 years old, and I was nowhere near a peak athlete. So imagine what DeMar Hamlin, like this was his dream to play in the NFL, and it's all he had been doing and preparing for. And for it to, you know, effectively end potentially in a moment's notice from a routine tackle, and obviously that we don't know what caused this, it's just sobering is the only word I can come up with to describe this. And as we kind of like spin this thing forward, I don't know how I don't know how the NFL can play games this weekend. Like to me the NFL is such a reactionary league instead of being proactive on this. And yes, the memo came out from Roger Goodell that there will be resources available, um, you know, mental health resources cuz let's call it what it, what it is. Those players and those coaches, those personnel, anybody who saw this last night witnessed this, that's trauma. You don't just shelve that for a game and expect it to go away. 
Football is a collision sport. If you are not playing it in a fierce mindset, if you are not playing it in a sound mindset, you're going to get hurt because you not to go coach speak on you, but like if you're not, if your fundamentals and your technique are not proper and you're trying to make a tackle, you're going to end up getting yourself paralyzed. That is what it's going to boil down to, which I think is just the most short-sighted thing that the NFL right now at this moment is looking at the situation and saying, well, we're going to still try to wager on with games in week 18. We're they're, you know, effectively waiting to see what happens with DeMar Hamlin before making any sort of, you know, judgment call on that. But as you were saying, Mallor, reading the tea leaves, the Bears just postponed. They're doing a walkthrough tomorrow on a Wednesday. That doesn't happen. And that's happening probably because of this situation. Other teams are on the league today, not having any media availability. Like, it's very obvious how serious this situation is. And I just wish that the NFL, at the end of the day, would consider everybody else that's going to have to go out there and play in, in these games in Week 18 because – this is a traumatic situation. This made it real. We have been collectively holding our breath for a very long time that we wouldn't have to see something like this happen, but it did. And that's what we have to deal with now, how we move forward from this. And I know that the NFL is a league that likes to wager on. They did it after JFK was assassinated. They wanted to play games after 9-11. It was up to the players and their foresight, foresight to say, absolutely not, that's not happening. I really hope that the NFLPA can step in here and if the players don't want to play this weekend, that they don't have to because no, we may not see this again. God willing, we won't see this again. But the fact is players are shook up right now. People are shook up right now. You hear it in my voice how, how heated I'm getting about this right now because it hits home. It hits home to everybody who's a fan of this game and everybody who watches this game, works in this industry, what have you. And there's a lot more at stake than just getting the Week 18 game in. No, I mean, it, there, it makes some great points. Um, you know, we've, as you've said a little bit earlier, we, we normalize some of these other injuries because it is a sport where, you know, there is inherent violence involved. There's nothing normal about what happened last night. That's why I think that, you know, it was shocking not just to, you know, not just to the players on the field, whether it was the Bills, it was also shocking to the to the Cincinnati Bengals. I think it was shocking to the people in the in the building. It would be shocked at home, sitting on my couch watching this, because while I played this sport uh, and I did understand that there was inherent risk, I this was never something that was ever contemplated uh, by me, and I'm assuming by most players who've had the great pleasure and privilege of playing this sport. Because it's just you can't have that on the front of your brain, as you said, Courtney, and go out Definitely there and play. Not. Because you expose yourself to not being out there in the right mind, and then I think that that, that raises the the level of of you know risk of you getting hurt. So I don't know what the league's going to do. I thought there was only one decision last night and that was to to postpone and cancel that game, and they did that. Um, I don't know what they're going to do going forward. I really have no idea. I'm not disagreeing with you, Courtney, but I would be stunned if I would we be don't shocked see if they, yeah, I week would be 18 a bit... games go on as planned, partially because we know this is, you know, they like to pretend like player health truly matters. But I think we've all seen time and time again, it doesn't. To Courtney's point, it is next man up. We're a profitable entity that is all-consuming across this country. I would be stunned. Well, if, but I would say this: are not played. This I would weekend. say this. I think the, the you know I'm still an advocate of the players' voices being louder, and the rank and file guys. Like if we as we go over the course of how the players' association has done things over the course of the last several decades, I have some gripes about it. You know mm-hmm. what they've prioritized and what they haven't. 
But I think that their voices are heard now and they're louder than they've ever been. I'd be really interested to see, and Courtney, I don't know what, what access you'll have to Bears players going forward, but I'd be very interested to see what collectively the NFL Players Association and the guys involved have to say about this going forward because their voice will matter now more than ever. Oh, absolutely. And you're right. Like, you need it, this shouldn't just take the star players speaking up to make sure that what's done for the greater good happens this week. And I, I think that in this moment more than ever, you're right. Like, the, the average NFL player is going to be, you know, his, his thoughts on this game and what's happening in these locker rooms and these meetings, like that stuff's really going to matter. And, and just to – there is precedent about this. You know, there is that week in between the AFC and NFC championship games and the Super Bowl. Back in 2001, when 9-11 happened, they moved those week two games to the end of the season, and they used that playoff bye week. They moved the Super Bowl back a week, by the way, and then they used that playoff bye week they moved everything back. They can do that again. I just know that it's an inconvenience for the NFL in terms of the monetary benefit, which, of course, we can't kid ourselves here, guys. That's what they're worried about. Like, if they were truly worried about player health and safety, it would have been until we know what's going on with DeMar Hamlin. And even even after, whether, it, whether we get good news, which we're all hoping and praying for, or whether it turns out to be the worst, you postpone those Week 18 games, or you just cancel them altogether so then everybody truly is on a level playing field, and it's basically you end the season after Week 17 and you just worry about what you have to do. Like I, the fact that I feel disgusting, even talking about, like, what these implications are. Bottom line, cancel the damn game. doesn't matter at this point. There's someone's life who hangs in the balance here. You can worry about seeding. And, yeah, I know that that game affected about seven other teams in the AFC, basically everything outside of that Jacksonville-Tennessee game. It just doesn't matter. And, you know, for, for players, like, I just I've, – I've always kind of felt, and, and Waddle, you probably see this too, just with the NFLPA, they don't – they're kind of spineless from time to time. They really are. Like, they really haven't stood up to the NFL for a lot of things. And I think concussions are an issue that they have taken seriously to heart. But they haven't really done much. And for if, the, if players were going to boycott, let's say, Week 18, then they need the full support of the NFLPA, not trying to bend to the will of the NFL of just, oh, man, we got to get this thing through. It doesn't matter right now. Someone, someone may not live because they played in a football game. Like, let that sink in for a second. Because, to me, the fact that there's the bottom line still being talked about, and I know that we've been so clear on, on TV, on radio, on everything, that it really doesn't matter. We need to hear the NFL come out and say that doesn't matter, and they need to do that with their actions and taking, taking care of everyone playing in the league right now. Because I just don't understand how you can go into these Week 18 games and expect that players are going to be playing – the game the way that they need to to protect themselves from injury there's injury in every game and should anything as a cart come out this coming week you know that it's going to be under a massive microscope and we've already been under a massive microscope this year with concussions like this this takes it to the nth degree because we've never seen something like this before and i just really hope that the nfl does the right thing here because no one is going to be in the right mindset to play games this weekend after what happened this week well that's why i was saying that i think it's what's important here is to hear what the the players are are feeling and what they think because they have a vested interest in this as well it's not just the nfl making money i mean there's mm-hmm. there's two sides of this and that's why I think that, that the input from the players is being heard now more than it ever has. Again, I still think that there's a, a long way to go with regard to the players 
finding more equity with regard to how things are divided and and what is given to who. Um, but I'm very interested to hear what they have to say collectively. This I, I'd be very interested to hear what the Bears collectively have to say and and those in, involved. And and I don't think that I, I don't know. I don't know how this thing gets resolved. I don't know in terms of the decision making. I don't think that this will be a scenario where Park Avenue, you know, shoves a it's decision down policy. the throats of everybody. I think that this. I'm guessing and I'm hoping this will be a more collaborative effort. I hope so. I, I think we all hope that. It's just there is, you know, truly no precedent with the NFL and the NFLPA in that collaborative approach because this situation is unprecedented. It's uncharted waters. And we've seen, I mean, the NFL is the machine that wagers on. Look at what they did during COVID. They ratified the hell out of that CBA because they knew that the world was about to shut down and they were going to push that season through. And they did. And they did it. After, you know, Pete Rozelle got crucified, after JFK was assassinated, they played games that weekend. And I know that we're, you know, we've talked about the 9-11 situation. That was the players' voices. They're the ones who said they didn't want to play. So in this situation, it might take players doing that again to be able to get something through here. I just think also you've got to protect players from themselves. Like someone like, you know, how many times have we talked about Justin Fields wanting to be out there and wondering whether it's the smartest thing because he may not be quote-unquote injured, but everybody's playing hurt right now. And I think a lot of that is you have to protect the player from themselves. There might be some players who say, man, I don't want to play in this this weekend because I, I'm shook up from what just happened. And there's others who just want to like power through because that's what they are conditioned to do, that next-man-up mentality. You're worried about your job security. You're wor- That's just how they've been. It's systemic. That's how we've been conditioned in this entire league for years. Um and I think that there just needs to be a call that, that takes everybody into account. I agree with you. I think the players' voices are as strong as they've ever been. And I'd like for them, you know, hopefully we ha- have some resolution here. First off, I hope that we get some news about DeMar Hamlin first. Because no matter what the league's screw-up has been, no matter what you think about how they handled last night, that's the only focus right now that matters, making sure that he can make it out of that hospital in Cincinnati and go home. Okay, so allow me to take the focus ever so slightly back to the Bears. And if, Courtney, games go off as we expect because Roger Goodell in his statement to teams said that there will be no changes to the Week 18 schedule right now. That was his statement as of about a little over an hour ago that was released to all NFL teams. Do you think the Bears are going to have Justin Fields under center or Will they look to use this as an opportunity, not DeMar Hamlin, but just the way Sunday unfolded? Do you think they will look to have potentially Nathan Peterman because it helps their draft status if Nathan Peterman is playing quarterback for the Bears on Sunday? Yeah, what Matt Eberflus said Sunday and what he said yesterday carried very different tones. And, you know, he he said after the game that if healthy, Justin's going to play, but the way that I took it yesterday was that these conversations that are going to happen between Eberflus, between Ryan Poles, the rest of the coaching staff, they're, you know, in doing what's best for the Chicago Bears, for them, what's best is getting the number one overall pick. Houston's playing an Indianapolis team that just lost in a big way to the New York Giants. Houston can beat that team. Now, now will Houston try to do some sort of, if, if the games go on, will they try to do their own sort of gamesmanship to make sure they can hold on to the number one pick? Maybe, which, which also, when you think about player health and safety, if you're throwing a bunch of backups out there, guys who don't have experience, it might not be the safest game, but that never seems to stop NFL teams regardless. Will I, do I think we'll see Justin Fields out there? Matt Eberflus certainly left the door open for him to not be out there, um, and it would not surprise me at all if he ends up resting this week. 
and uh, in in not getting the rushing record, which I know is something that players and, and even Eberflus yes, yesterday mentioned the importance of it and that it is a big deal. I mean, he's worked for it. It's not exactly, you know, come out of something that hasn't been a necessity, but it would be cool to see him get it. But at the end of the day, if you're taking people at their word and trying to read between the lines here of what is best for the Chicago Bears, what's best for the Chicago Bears is to make sure that you don't put anybody in, like your starting players in harm's way, including Fields, and trying to secure that number one pick. I said this earlier. I don't know how you feel, Courtney. I thought this was the first game, at least in recent memory, where I felt like the team collectively let go of the rope, so to speak, that even though they've been outmanned pretty much every Sunday, they've walked out onto the field, their, their effort has always been noticeable. And I thought in the second half of the game that, that it just felt like that game was got away from them effort-wise. Yeah, you're right. And I asked Eberflus about that afterwards because he, he keeps referring to everything as a lack of execution. We didn't execute on this, um, whether it was the play before halftime that was bizarre and everybody's moving at half speed or whether it was not tackling – DeAndre Swift, like going untouched into the end zone on that 17-yard touchdown run. I believe that was the second quarter. And I asked him, like, at some point, is the lack of execution, do you see it as a lack of effort? And we know that this team, in its grading system, the loaf system, um, the hits principles, like they have ways to measure the effort. I'd be curious to see what some of those grades are. And I don't think you can really fault certain players for, for that because you have a lot of backups playing in there. It's a team that has won three games. They're undermanned. Um, there's a lot of circumstances at play. But I notice that, too. I notice the lack of effort. And I think that it's for, some players wear their emotion on their sleeves. You could tell how irritated Chase Claypool was and you know the leadership that Justin Fields showed and the way that he handled it on the sideline and then the way he spoke about it to us I think was excellent. But they're – there's there are obvious moments in that game where it's not just hey guys aren't getting the coaching points some of those were some business decisions if you want to be honest about it and whether you fault players for that or not it did feel like this was they got outclassed in that game and they did it to themselves in a lot of moments Courtney, Which is when, when was the last time we said to ourselves, we got outclassed by the Lions? That's uh, <laughs> not, a lo- by four touchdowns. Right. It was actually more than that. It was, 30, it was 31 point deficit. Yeah, uh, it's been a long time. And it's not necessarily to say, oh my God, changing of the guard, Detroit's you know, going to win the North and never give it back, whatever Cole right. said. It's not right. that. It's just a matter of this is where this team is at this point. Yeah. Like, we're all trying to get to the end of the season, writers included. And it's just. It's a matter now of how are they going to handle this in a way where I understand coaches are coaching for every game. You don't want to lose games as coaches. It's not why you're in this profession. And coaching priorities are sometimes different than front office priorities. But what it boils down to is what is the smartest play to keep player health and safety in the forefront and also give you a chance to help upgrade this roster so you don't get in a situation next year where you get blown out by Detroit in a, I have never covered a game outside of this game in Detroit at this point of the season that actually mattered. So I mean, how do you flip that script eventually and make sure that you're the ones going on the road to yeah. an NFC North opponent and, and getting out of there with a W because it helps your playoff chances? You got to do the right thing here in, in week 18 and I think for the Chicago Bears that is making sure that Justin Fields does not play. Yeah, I agree with you and, and listen um, I don't want to elevate the Detroit Lions to a level they don't deserve to be elevated to, but that's a better football team top to bottom than ours is, and it's a better football team, or their their arc is is in a direction that is desirable. 
Yeah. More so than others because they have used. It's taken a long time because they've had a lot of number one picks or a mm-hmm. lot of first round picks. But talent wise, they've made some good decisions over the last couple of years. And you're seeing, you know, the dividends from some of those decisions. So, yeah, we'll I mean, go look at the offensive line. They started building that thing with Taylor Decker in 2016. I asked Eberflus about that last week, spending high draft picks, not expecting plug and play to always pan out. That's how you build an offensive line, one that's top 10 in, in, in pass blocking. And, you know, their pass rush uh, on Sunday was fueled by Aiden Hutchinson. I think it's James Houston, their other rookie. Yeah. The Bears don't have those guys. They can eventually, someday, and maybe it'll be coming out of this draft class if they end up spending that second-round pick or if it's a first-round pick on Jalen Carter. But, you know, that's – Detroit, the last couple of weeks, whether it's Detroit, whether it's Philly, and whether it's Buffalo, those teams have given them – parts of blueprints that they can adopt into their own in order to see how they're going to build this thing going forward. Courtney, we always appreciate your insight, but uh, maybe it's not said enough. Perhaps today we appreciate your passion that much more. Thanks so much uh, for Thanks, hopping Courtney. on today. Thanks, guys. Take care. Courtney Cronin joining us on Waddle and Sylvie. Jeff Meller in for Sylvie today. Up next, it is time for Waddle's World. This is Waddle's World. And in Chicago, Tom Waddle. He can't run, he's not fast, but he gets open. Bears legend. He caught everything that was thrown and took every hit that they could give him. Tom Waddle. Amazing. What's going on in the world of sports? Look at all the sports Look at your robots in here. So many activities. Let's find out together. Stop class. Making my head spin. How many activities you can do? As we enter. This is how we do it. Waddle's World. Yeah, Waddle's World brought to you by the fine people, our friends and partners at Wintrust Community Banks. They are Chicago's banks. Find your nearest Wintrust Community Bank. Visit Wintrust.com slash finest member FDIC. Uh, been a sobering day so far, obviously, uh, based on what transpired in Cincinnati last night, Monday Night Football. Um, you know, it's an interesting, I think the conversation going forward is going to be very interesting. I think that the Players Association is going to have a very loud voice collectively. I think the league would be very wise to be very conscientious about um, engaging in conversations with the Players Association. Courtney does great work for us. Uh, she's very passionate about the league not playing this weekend. I would, at this point, I think, as you said, Meller, I think I would be surprised. Mm-hmm. Um I don't believe, this is me personally, I do not believe if, in fact, they play Saturday and Sunday, it's a show of callous behavior from the players or from the league. I just don't. Um, I think if the players decide, like, listen, and and, and again, I don't mean to, to be disrespectful in any way, shape, or form to anybody. It's certainly not to DeMar Hamlin and his family. Uh, and everybody's thoughts and prayers are with him and, and the family. Um, don't know collectively what the NFL players associate with the players on every other team would decide to do. Um, don't know if he just randomly or just uh, randomly is the wrong word, but just to categorically cancel all the games. I don't know that provides a solution. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I think the problem is, you know, in a utopian environment, we would be able to cancel we'll games. We'll push things back. And say, okay, let's see how this does. And you could look, take a you know, a further look and examination and say, 
what is being done, but we know this game is beyond, it's inherently violent. Yes. Yeah, so you and are not, but if you cancel the games on Saturday and Sunday, it doesn't mean that what you've done is, is that you have eliminated the inherent risk that exists in the sport. All of us that played it or play it currently, we should expect and demand that the league itself and everybody involved does everything humanly possible to make the sport as safe as possible. But there's a certain level of risk that is going to exist regardless of how hard you try to put guardrails in. Um, whether it is the immediacy of, of the tragedy from last night or it is the long term. Listen, head trauma and CTE and all of that stuff, it takes a while to manifest itself. It takes a while for it to develop and to have its horrendous effect on individuals. That's like a long term yeah, you know, car wreck for a lack of a better term, uh-huh. as opposed to something like last night that is immediate and happens right away. Um, I don't. Again, I don't sit here and profess to know all the answers or have all the answers. I think it's very important to listen and to talk to different players and to teams and to have a dialogue. But I don't know that just categorically the league deciding to cancel this weekend's games is going to solve any problems unless the players collectively. You know, the majority of them in every locker room say, hey, listen, this ain't right. And then if that's the if that's the way they feel, then their voice should be heard. But what if there's a group of, you know, 85 percent of the players are like, listen, I've worked my ass off for this opportunity. I have tremendous sympathy and empathy for what's going on with Damar Hamlin. Um, I accept and, and assume responsibility for the risk that is involved here, and we've worked our asses off, and we want to play, and we have an opportunity to get into the to the postseason, and, and it's my decision that I want to play. Now, I can't, I, I wouldn't look down on that guy or that team or that collective group of players that want to go out there and continue to do what what they love to do. I think it's a fair question to ask: Will guys, not just who played in last night's game, but guys around the league? who have had now a spotlight put on possibilities that exist. You talked about it earlier, the risk-reward factor. And, and, and it, you know, it's compartmentalized. Okay, there's potential dangers that exist when I go out and I play this contact sport. But the reality Those is... Those risks are still going to be there two weeks from now, yes, it, three weeks precisely. from now, next year, And the even if we find year. out that Damar Hamlin ends up best case scenario is able to get through this and live a normal life and maybe hopefully one day and again i don't know get back to playing football i don't know that seems far-fetched at this moment and and not even important i understand that but postponing the games this week that are currently taking place unless your unless your alternative is you're shutting down football and the idea of football across this country that's the only alternative if because it's so unsafe and i don't think i'm sorry this, I think it's apropos that Courtney used the term sobering because it is sobering last night what happened, but the reality is two were all drunk on football. We watched this distraction that is, and when you're drunk, you don't always make the best decisions, right? It is a multi-billion dollar entertainment factory that exists and is not going away, unfortunately, right? We've seen plenty of terrible things happen in this sport, and the truth is, if you see kids playing youth football die on the football field right because of things that happen not often but we've heard stories read stories about reports yeah. it's not on i television. think I, re- I read an article this morning that i believe if i if i got the information correct that's the cardiac arrest is the leading cause of death 
amongst youth sports participants. So, you know, it's it's terrible what happened. Unfortunately, you know, I don't think we live in an environment where we're emotionally equipped enough to say, okay, this should never happen. We're not going to allow it to happen again. I think the reality is that you're looking at the infinitesimal possibilities that it does happen because this being one of the rare instances in the many years of over 100 years of playing football that it actually has occurred. It just happened to be on a public fronting face last night where it was right in our face. And so, um, you know, I don't again, I don't think that again, if if games are played this weekend, I don't believe it is a thumbing of the nose of player safety issue. I had other issues with regard to player safety, you know, concepts and ideas and ideals and stuff. Uh, but I don't believe that that would be the lead. I, I, but by the same token, I think the player's voice collectively is louder now than it has been in, in maybe ever. Yeah. And, and I'd be interested to hear I, what they're saying inside different locker and, and rooms. I, I and what I, they say today, Jeff, may be different from what they say a few days from now. I was now. just going to, yeah. Because here's the thing. Any, but like it's it's perfectly normal to have an emotional reaction to this. But any any player though in a locker room who may be saying, "Hey, I don't think we should play games this weekend," then the follow up question is, "Well, when when do you when believe will it you will think be? you'll be okay yeah. to play football?" Because the truth is, are things going to be drastically different from that date and time to what it would be this weekend? And that's the you know I don't know if it's there's no perfect solution to what we witnessed last night. No, I I agree. I. Again, I, I'm, I'm interested to hear what the Players Association and some of the conversations that are taking place in different locker rooms, what, what comes of those. I, I know there's trem- I know there will be tremendous sympathy and empathy and, and support, uh, but just don't know, you know, collectively whether they would, what the percentages would be that guys would want to play versus guys that wouldn't want to play. No, no. Yeah, last yeah. night there was, you know, there was there was yeah, no they, reason to continue that game. The one there was thing, only one decision last night, and that was to end that game when they ended that game. And I will say, I th- I do think, you know, and maybe this is just the nature of social media, which I know you've talked about many times. Like anybody who was being overly harsh or critical of the NFL and the the what Joe Buck and Troy Aikman and Monday Night Football and ESPN were re- relaying the five minute period. They, listen, again, this is a situation that had not ever in the history of the league on Monday Night Football or during a game showed itself. So they were basically acting in the sense of the the information they had. And so the idea that the NFL was going to go out and play in five minutes, I don't know. I don't think that was ever really based in reality. I think they were trying to get their arms around yeah. a terrible situation. And once they realized that DeMar Hamlin was fighting for his life, the reality was I don't think they were ever going to go out and resume play. I also think the collective effort of all of the the medical professionals mm-hmm. last night um, was a great show that you know in some ways this league does have their T's crossed and their eyes dotted at least on a medical front or in that situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, had they not been as talented and skilled and on the spot the way they were, he would have lost his life on the field last night. Yeah. So, um, player safety is a you know is a, is a sensitive conversation. I think that there are things that the league can do to make the situation better now and going forward. But I don't know if actually, I don't know that 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 if you allow these games to be played as normal this weekend, that that is in any way, shape, or form thumbing your nose at the concept of player safety. Again, I would be stunned if if they're not. And the truth is, like, the interesting thing. Nah, 
I mean, if you're an NFL player and you want to play Sunday, can't two things be correct? Tremendous sympathy for the situation that DeMar Hamlin finds himself in and his family. By the same token, token, I also would like to to play this game this weekend because this is what I've this yeah. is the final week of the season and my team is fighting for a playoff berth and this is what I've invested my time and the immediacy of my life into. I mean, I can't fault that person. I wouldn't consider that player to be heartless. No. You know, I mean tough conversation it is based on the you know the emotions from last night, but uh uh, we'll see. We'll see what the league has to say. We'll see what the players have to say. As Courtney said as well, I think the 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 league, the different teams around the league have kind of changed their their schedule for this week. Uh, Bears are having, what, a walkthrough tomorrow. Correct. They're not going to practice. I think that there'll be a lot of conversations that take place. Um, we'll find out. I mean, ultimately, they're football players in a football league. I, I suspect they will get back to playing football. You know, and it just unfortunately, is, again, it's an inherently violent game. So as long as that is a collision sport like this, yeah. there will be some circumstances where it is less than appetizing. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, when we come back, I will bring you a story uh, that about Damar Hamlin and uh, the good he did in his community. And some of that good has been amplified, you know, multi-times over by people that have decided to give back to a wonderful cause that he put his name on. Uh, and then we'll continue. You know, listen, there's a lot of Bears conversation still to be had today. Uh, there's Bulls conversation to be had. There's a bigger NFL conversation to be had as well. We can get into some of that with Big Cat as well. Uh, but when we come back, a good story, I think, that will put a smile on your face on a difficult conversation. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Waddle and Sylvie. Listen now in HD on our app and on ESPN 1000. Earlier today, Miller, you sent us all an article uh, that kind of gave you an insight into who Damar Hamlin is. Uh, I thought it was a really good good article, and you described it very well when uh, Carmen the Good Kid were still here. Yeah, Tyler Dunn, who I believe he used to work for the might have been the New York Times. He's been but, an NFL writer for quite yeah, some time. Yeah, yeah. He now has uh, you know Go Long is his site that he writes for. I believe he started it, and he did an excellent profile of Demar Hamlin a few years ago, obviously before the injury, and just what he's been through as a person. And how much he's overcome personally to get to this level. And it's really a beautiful portrait of Damar Hamlin, the man. I don't think I can do it justice in a, you know just a few seconds trying to relay. But I, again, I think I'm like a, a lot of people last night. I didn't know who Damar Hamlin was right. until last night. And it is terrible. That's how you find out who he is. But I would encourage... The article humanizes him. Absolutely. And um, he's it from what I read and what, you know... The, the words that Tyler Dunn penned, I think, puts into perspective. I am rooting. I will, Obviously, I'm rooting for him, but makes it you know that much more sad to see what happened last night. I would highly encourage people to go out and check check it out. It's it's a longer read. It's, a, it's an in-depth profile, but Tyler Dunn, I guess one of the takeaways, though, the reason he played at Pitt more so than anything else, he stayed at home yeah. so that his little brother... He could, he could spend more time with his little brother, who I believe was, when the article was written, was six at the time, so that he could 
be a role model for his little brother to see what good decisions are and look, you know, and as you're making them in your life. So I would highly encourage people to go out well, and read that. And, and with that as a backdrop, uh, this is from ESPN.com. I think that you've seen a lot of information on this on Twitter and social media today. Uh, Hamlin started at GoFundMe in December of 2020 where he was just wrapping up his college career and getting ready for the NFL draft process. He wanted to have a toy drive at a local daycare center, a facility co-owned by his mom in his hometown in Pennsylvania, a place about 6,000 residents. And he wrote at the time, quote, as I embark on my journey to the NFL, I will never forget where I come from. And I am committed to using my platform to positively impact the community that raised me. Uh, I created the Chasing M's Foundation as a vehicle that will allow me to deliver that impact. And the first program is the 2020 Community Toy Drive. This campaign gives you the opportunity to contribute to our first initiative and positively impact children who have been hardest hit by the pandemic. It says here he pulled uh, the first event off with about 10 days of planning. Gifts poured in, some of them clothing donated by Pitt, where he had just finished playing. Uh, he also talks about how he had lost three friends to gun violence while growing up and saw his father incarcerated for about three and a half years for selling drugs as part of the story that you were talking about. But as soon as he was able to, he wanted to help others. Well, that toy drive, that GoFundMe, uh, as of last month, had raised about $2,900 because of the the attention that has been brought to it and people saying, hey, if you want to help out, help out a cause that was near and dear, was near and dear to DeMar Hamlin's uh, heart. And his, you know, what he felt and who he wanted to be. Uh, roughly four and a half million dollars has been donated uh, after what transpired last night. Um, so people have rallied. People have decided that they would like to help in a way that I think he inspired. And I think you, you say inspired. Perfect word. Because, again, read this profile that Tyler Dunn did on Mar Hamlin, and that will inspire you to hopefully be a better person and to make a difference in other people's lives with your own. Because I think that's the one thing I'll take my takeaway of Tamar Hamlin truly was uh, a special person. And so I'm rooting like hell that he gets through this. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I'm sure the information is available wherever you want to see, but it's his GoFundMe page. Uh, and now I'm assuming that donations are probably nearing. $5 million for his wonderful cause. So, um, like I said earlier, uh, more Bears conversation. Uh, obviously, some basketball to get to as well. And and I we still need to have the NFL conversation with regard to some of the things that transpired yesterday uh, or on Sunday, rather. Absolutely. And with I know, the Green Bay Packers. And I know a guy. And their demise that has been maybe put on hold. I know a guy who knows a thing or two about the NFL. Barstool Big Cat. Yes. He'll join us next.